like that. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I hope you are ready to be smarter today. I hope you're ready to be learned up by yours truly. And before we get all learned up today, make sure you follow the Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and, of course, you're listening to it right now. So make sure you are subscribed and or following the Apple Podcasts and Spotify accounts. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is BlackmanLogan. With the show's Instagram account being the Logan Blackman Show 1, Facebook and YouTube, search Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel and follow and like the Facebook page. Check out a few blog posts. We have our latest mock draft available on all forms of social media as well. You can check them out everywhere, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, anywhere you want. You can also go to the LoganBlattmanShow.com and check under the blog section or go to the main page. Scroll down a little bit. There will be a link in the middle of the page for you to access it there as well. And then, of course, again, you're listening to it right now, so make sure you're following The Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you're listening right now and you're not sure if you're subscribed, might as well just double-check right now and then leave a rating out of five stars. And then leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do, why you gave a one-star review or you gave a five-star review. Just let me know down below, and that way we can improve or continue doing what we are doing right now. Now! This is a fun one. So I just got done watching Manchester United beat Barcelona in uh, the Europa League around the, not the quarter, they're going to the quarterfinals, round of 32, going to the quarterfinals in the Europa League. It's a very exciting time. Very exciting time. Or I guess it's the round of 16. They're going to the re- the quarterfinals now. Beat Barcelona 2-1 in this game, going back to Old Trafford. They won on aggregate 4-3, so give yourselves a round of applause, Manchester United. We got the jersey on right now. Fun game. Really, really fun game. Barcelona scored first. There was a penalty given Alejandro Balde for Barcelona to the left back. Got dragged down by Bruno Fernandes, or Bruno Fernandes if you play FIFA. <laughs> he got dragged down in the box. Lewandowski stepped up to the spot. Didn't look confident. Didn't look very confident. And then De Gea slipped as he was diving to his left and got a palm to it, but was just underneath it enough to where it just grazed past his fingers and ended up in the back of the net. So Lewandowski scored first in the first half. And then Fred comes out in the second half, scores right away. And then Anthony comes on as a substitute and scores an absolute screamer with his left foot right into the bottom corner, winning the game 2-1. Some sketchy times at the end of the game, as per usual. I mean, when you've had a game pretty much sealed up and you're bringing on defenders to see off the game, like Scott McTominay came on for Marcus Rashford later in the game, when you're doing that, you know you're sitting back inviting pressure. This was one of my problems with the United States in the World Cup. Was that when you know you're going to sit back, it's scary. It's very, very scary. You're just inviting pressure, especially with a team like Barcelona who has all this, all these great players on there. It's scary to invite pressure like that, but the thing is between Manchester United and the United States, Manchester United has a very solid defensive setup. They have one of the, if not the best, center back pairing in the world right now with Rafa Varane and Lissandra Martinez. Also have Luke Shaw, Diego Delo, Diogo Delo, Aaron Wan-Bissaka in the first half. Like, there's a lot of good pieces in this Manchester United defense. No matter, no matter how shaky David De Gea has been in recent years, they've got a great setup in front of them. they got Casemiro in midfield as well. Fred's been playing really well recently. Like, there's some good things going on at Manchester United right now. It's really exciting to be a Manchester United fan again, which is something I haven't really said a lot of in Pat, in the past, because <laughs> it's always been just so frustrating where you have all these players come in under big contracts, these big name players that don't necessarily fit the system that they're going to be running at Manchester United. Then you've got managers that come in are just big names, but not right for the club. And this is the first time since Sir Alex, since Sir Alex Ferguson left and they're winning the title in 2013 that they've got a manager in that's an elite coach that's entering his prime 
Like, this is the first time they've done this. You look at David Moyes at Everton coming over to Manchester United, getting fired after a year, less than a year, because he had zero backing. Manchester United, when they won the league in 2013, had a bunch of aging players that they did not properly replace when Moyes came into the squad. And then you had the likes of who was, I'm trying to remember, the Ryan Giggs was right after that. He was the interim coach. A lot of people wanted, not I shouldn't say a lot of people, but there were people out there that wanted Ryan Giggs to take over full-time. Then Louis van Gaal came in. Fresh off a World Cup semifinal appearance with the Netherlands, finishing third in the 2014 World Cup. Robin Van Persie was the captain of said Netherlands team. They were bringing in Memphis Depay. I saw Memphis Depay play against PSG when he first signed with Manchester United in the preseason. Went to Soldier Field. My dad, I don't know if I've said this story on here before. So we had these tickets to go to this Manchester United preseason game. It's my first and only time going to a Manchester United game. And as a person that grew up watching Manchester United with the likes of Rooney, Ronaldo, Carlos Tevez, Ryan Giggs, Paul Scholes, like all these different players, Rio Ferdinand, uh, Nemanja Vidic, like all these players that I just grew up loving watching because they were the only team on TV at the time. So like when you have the why you chose your team, especially when they're a completely different part of the world of you than you, you have to have certain reasons. The players were great and they were on TV all the time. Not a lot of the other teams around the world were really on TV, so I just gravitated towards Manchester United because they were on. So we had these tickets to go to this game, and my uncle lives on the north side of Chicago, lives pretty much right down the street from Wrigley Field. So we were like in downtown Chicago, the game's at Soldier Field, all excitement. We go around tour Chicago throughout the day, and then the evening comes, and we're getting ready to go to the game. We pull up to Soldier Field. We pull up to Soldier Field. My uncle Fred's dropping us off at the stadium. Pull up, and my dad goes, we don't have the tickets. The tickets were in the side pocket of his truck <laughs> that was in the garage of my Uncle Fred's place. And we just didn't grab it. So we had to drive back all the way back around at like 6 o'clock, I think on a Friday, Friday or Saturday, in Chicago, Illinois, and try to get back to the game in a reasonable time. So we missed about 20, 25 minutes of the game. My first ever Manchester United game, let, let's just put it like this. I was not the happiest camper driving all the way back to the north side of Chicago after getting to Soldier Field. Because you can't just turn around. You can't just turn around. Like, getting from his apart or his place to Soldier Field on its own is about a 15-20 minute drive. Given the fact that we're now dealing with traffic going back in towards the city, outside of the big parts of the city, now we're in trouble. It took us about a half hour to 40 minutes to get back to his place, grab the tickets and get back to Soldier Field, and we finally got in. Seats were fan-freaking-tastic, and it was awesome. Zlatan was playing for PSG, which was really exciting. I had the nice, or I, I don't know if you want to call it nice, because I know this kit kind of divided opinions, but it was like the first year of the of the Chevrolet logo in the middle. Now they're obviously TeamViewer. I think they're changing sponsors next year, I think. But it was the first year of the Chevy logo, and then there was the... After that preseason was when they went to Adidas. That was the first year after they went to Nike, going to Adidas. And the Adidas jersey, it was an interesting one. I got it the night it dropped. I ordered it the night it dropped. They had a whole pipe video for it, ordered it the night it dropped, got it, wore it all the freaking time. And I tried, when I was younger, I used to try and get a jersey every single year. I haven't really done that recently. I'm currently wearing the newest jersey because I really like this jersey. But... Yeah, it's uh, it's something that I haven't really done a lot recently, but apart from, you know, I've, I've got it on right now. And then after you had Louis van Gaal, you brought in Jose Mourinho, you know, legendary Chelsea manager, won the Champions League with Porto, won a treble with Inter Milan, like all these different things. He was just a very, what do you want to call it, a, 
I don't know, abrasive is not really the right word, but a very polarizing figure in the world of soccer. Polarizing figure as a manager, polarizing figure just all over the sport. And now he's coming to Manchester United, one of the biggest clubs in the world, easily the biggest club in England. And his rival, managerial-wise, Pep Guardiola, is managing Manchester City. So now we've got the rivalry kicked back up between when they were at Barcelona and Real Madrid. Now it's back in Manchester with Manchester United and Manchester City. And Jose had some success at Manchester United, won the Europa League, brought in the likes of Zlatan, uh, brought in Paul Pogba, Romelu Lukaku came in under Jose Mourinho, and then Jose gets fired. Jose gets fired, and then Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, one of the club legends, scorer of the Champions League winning final in 1999, Champions League final winning goal in 1999 against Bayern Munich in Barcelona, which is who they play today, comes in. Lights the world on fire, essentially. Ole's at the wheel started, and then everything started to crash right after that. It was like, there were times where it'd get really good, and then times you'd just be left scratching your head over some of the tactical decisions he was making, some of the player personnel that he was obsessed with picking, mainly McFred, Scott McTominay and Fred, in midfield, just did not work. It was miserable for a while. <laughs> then you see all the big money he spent as manager at Manchester United, bringing in Harry Maguire for $80 million, bringing in Aaron Wan-Bissaka, who is now the backup to the guy he was supposed to replace when he first got brought in in Diogo Delo. Now, Aaron Wan-Bissaka started this game, has been playing really well recently, but the chances of him leaving in the summer are, I would imagine, pretty high because he's not the starter. Diogo Delo is going to come back in, take the starting job back. He hasn't looked as good as he did at the start of the season, but currently he's the number one right back for Manchester United. And they could bring in like Jeremy Frimpong from Bayer Leverkusen or Denzel Dumfries from Inter Milan. Someone like that. Urian Timber could come in, play both center back and right back, which is what he did. I fully expect Urian Timber to come to Manchester United in the summer. I that would be the most surprising thing would be Urian Timber not coming to Manchester United in the summer. Like there's a lot of players you could be there's this player, there's this player, there's this player, all getting linked to Manchester United because again, when you're starting to refine success at club level, which is something that has kind of escaped Manchester United for the most part, for the better part, since 2013. Every single player in the world, when you're the biggest club in England, one of the biggest in the world, you got one of the biggest budgets at anybody, because you just generate it. It's not that it's getting spent by, like, ownership or anything. It's just getting what you've generated. So that's why the club is so much in debt, which is why they're talking about getting new owners in. Why the Glazers, who also own the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, for those of you who do not know, are opening to selling the club. And there's been a lot of things going on right now in regards to Manchester United selling the club, and it's kind of interesting to follow it. Like, I got to make sure I, I find the right... Because there was a graphic I saw that had the two new guys that are going to be possibly bidding for Manchester United. It was Jim Ratcliffe, who is the richest man in the UK, and there was a specific graphic that I saw in regards to this is what they're going to be billing or what they're bidding and what they're going to do with Manchester United, how they're going to fix the club, how they're going to bring Manchester United back to its prominence that it once was under. Where is the graphic at? Because they were comparing what these two guys are doing. And I watched a video yesterday, HITC7s. I would rate greatly, I would vastly recommend you watch his channel. It's a very good channel. It's a lot of documentary series about different things that go around in the world of soccer. Like, you could look at Manchester, it could be at club level, it could be at international level, they'll do lists, they'll rank players, rank teams, whatever. It's a fun channel. It's a very fun channel. I gotta find this, though. Because their their ideas are two completely different. They're not completely different, but, like, the, 
The basis is the same, I guess. They both want to return Manchester United. There it is. They both want to return Manchester United, their former glory. And, yeah. So, you got Jim Ratcliffe, again, the richest man in the UK. And Sahis Jassim bin Hamid Al-Tahini. I, uh, I, I completely apologize. I'm sincere apologies if I pronounce his name wrong, and I'm sure I did. So, the stake for Jim Ratcliffe was majority ownership. For the Sheikh, it is outright purchase. Offer for Jim Ratcliffe is $4.6 billion. The Sheikh offered $5.5 billion. Holding company, I, Enos, Enos, the Jim Ratcliffe's I-N-E-O-S, and then he got 9-2 Foundation. And then the approach, debt funded for Jim Ratcliffe, debt free for the Sheikh, Vision for Jim Ratcliffe putting Manchester United back, putting Manchester Manchester back into Manchester United. Vision for the Sheikh. Manchester United is is to be renowned for footballing excellence. Common ground, redeveloping Old Trafford for the Sheikh and Jim Ratcliffe invest in the women's team. So pretty much the same thing. Just money's different and the debt thing's different. Because Manchester United, again, are a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of money in debt. A lot of dollars in debt. It have been for a very, very long time now. There's been almost zero investment. I think it might be just zero. Zero investment in the club from the Glazer family who have owned this team since 2004, 2005, somewhere around there. And when Manchester United were winning all these titles under that reign, while not spending any money in regards to money that the owners are putting forth, not what the Manchester United can um, generate naturally, because again, it's the biggest brand in the world. I think Real Madrid's the biggest club in the world. But everybody knows Manchester United. Everybody knows Manchester United. And when Sir Alex Ferguson was doing all these things, you see all these players, like, they beat Arsenal with seven seven or eight defenders in the team. They beat Arsenal 8-2 with seven or eight defenders in the squad. Like, this was a, jet, a, a common occurrence. They never had proper, Ronaldo leaves, let's bring in Gabriel Oberton. It was things that never really made sense. You brought in a player, after a player left, who is class, and then you don't bring in players that properly uh, replace said player. Ronaldo being the big one when he left for the first time. There's been zero backing by anything, and the recruitment's been very strange. It's been one of those things where it's what would build the brand rather than what fits the team. Like, what would a fan do? That's kind of what the idea is behind Manchester United in these recent transfer windows, is what would fans like? You're trying to keep up fan relations, because fan relations are already really low, so there's this old saying going green and gold to the club is sold. Newton Heath, Manchester United's original name, they wore green and green and yellow. And you could see pictures of David Beckham wearing the green and yellow scarf leaving the stadium when he was playing for, I think, AC Milan. Maybe PSG, I can't remember which one. But you see all these different protests with green and gold scarfs everywhere. And that's to protest the Glazers. So fan and owner relations have never really been great. So when you bring in players like Paul Pogba like Romelu Lukaku, do they fit what Manchester United wants to do? Does it fit what the manager wants to do? No. But the hope is that it regains and reestablishes fan involvement in the club. Because, again, it's a brand. Manchester United is more of a brand than anything. You go to Manchester United, you're going to see people from all over the freaking globe in Old Trafford. You're going to see that everywhere. At Manchester United games, people coming in from all over the place. There'll be a few Mancunians in there. But there's a lot of tourists. Whole hell of a lot of tourists in Manchester United. <laughs> a lot of Americans, a lot of Indians, a lot of, a lot of Asian Americans, a lot of, ugh, a lot of Chinese, a lot, a, lot of, a lot of people. A lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds, which makes soccer one of the most fun sports in the world. I mean, it's the most famous, most popular sport in the world. 
So you have to have different nationalities come into your stadiums, but it just happens to be more at Manchester United. At least that's what it feels like and what it looks like. And fan relations still are not very good. And that was the whole idea behind the Super League. Like when you're a club as big as Manchester United, when you're a brand like Manchester United, you're trying to get as much fans in there as new fans in there as possible. So when you have season ticket holders from Manchester United, from the surrounding areas, you're not going to get as much money. But when you have the tourists from America, from China, from India, from parts of Africa, like you got all these different people coming from all different parts of the world, you're going to generate more revenue. So when the whole idea of the Super League, like we're going to play Manchester United versus Real Madrid at a Hard Rock Stadium down in Miami or things like that, because those are two clubs David Beckham played for. He owns a team in the MLS down in, down in Miami. So you're going to have them play there. Like when you have a season ticket holder, they're not going to go in and buy different things every single game. You're not going to buy shirts. You're not going to buy hats. You're not going to buy anything every single time. You are there. You buy your season ticket. Now you're going to go to the games, and that's pretty much it. You might buy a beer. You might buy a hot dog. You might buy something at the game. But more often than not, you're just going to go to your seat and chill watch the game. New fans, like me, when my dad's sister and I go to Bills games in Buffalo, we don't go there very often. We go to one Bills game in Buffalo a year. And you go there like, oh, we got to go all out. We got to go to the team store. We got to get this. We got to get that. Oh, we got to buy stuff. We got to do all these different things. Like, that's the goal of, like, these Super Leagues and what Manchester United kind of is. But there's not, like, the ownership is going to be big moving forward. Like, try to put Manchester back in Manchester United, whatever that means. I never really understand what, like, these these rich people come in with all these different slogans. Like, putting the Manchester back in Manchester United. I, I it's Reestablishing the fear of God in people, because that's what Manchester United really was back in the day under Sir Alex Ferguson when they were playing seven, eight defenders in a singular squad and just had Rooney up top. <laughs> like, that's what they were. But they still established fear because you had to play Sir Alex Ferguson at Old Trafford. Now the future of Old Trafford's in under question because it's got it needs renovations. It needs renovations bad. So they're either talking about moving it to somewhere else or rebuilding or, like, refurbishing, I guess, Old Trafford. And some of the designs that I've seen recently are just garbage. I love looking at Old Trafford. Like from pictures, from watching Manchester United pretty much my entire life, I love sitting down and just looking at Old Trafford. It's so cool. Like I remember watching a, it was kind of a bio, it was not kind of, but it was a biopic of the Munich air disaster. It was Bobby Charlton. It followed Bobby Charlton around, going and enter the theater, the dream, theater of dreams for the first time rebuilding from the Munich air disaster to becoming what they are now, being the biggest, again, the biggest brand in the world. And to reestablish that brand, because Manchester United's kind of, again, again, been kind of lost since 2013. This ownership is going to be freaking massive. And the thing is, with the Sheik, this is where it gets kind of interesting. Sheik's just seem, there's so many, apparently, there's a lot of conflicting reports about Sheik Jassim whose own dad, who I believe is one of the, or he was once the prime minister of Saudi Arabia. I could be completely wrong about that. There was something along those lines. You can go watch HITC7's video about it. Talk about Manchester United's new owners. His own dad doesn't have $5.5 billion. So where is he coming in with these $5.5 billion? Because also, I believe his dad has like 40 kids? I, I, I need to make sure I've got all this right because this is what I heard in the video. Sheikh Jassim, I gotta make sure I spell all this right. 
Sheikh Jassim. It pops up on Google. I'm not really surprised. And then you have like conflicting reports about oh the the money the nine two foundation or nine two was it nine two foundation yeah nine two foundation. 92 is when he first started liking Manchester United and had nothing to do with the class of 92, which is Manchester United's most famous youth academy team with David Beckham, Gary and Phil Neville, Paul Scholes, Ryan Giggs, Nicky Butt. Like, this was an elite, elite youth setup that ended up getting him a treble in 1999. The first and only English squad to win the treble. Premier League title, FA Cup, and Champions League. That was what we talked about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer scoring the winning goal against Bayern Munich in Barcelona. 1999. Beautiful game. But then you have other reports that say the 92 Foundation was inspired by the class of 92. So it's all these different reports about no one really knows when his birthday is. No one really knows all these different things. So this guy, his dad, oh, his 15 children. I saw something, I'm pretty sure they said something about him having like 40 children. I, I'm not, I don't have this all written down. I'm trying to go with what I remember. But like net worth, his net worth is $1.3 billion. That's his dad, $1.3 billion. And he's somehow giving up an offer for Manchester United for $5.5 billion. Like, there's a lot of different things that go around with this different stuff, and it's just weird. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Not everything is correlating. Not everything is staying consistent. A lot of it is contradictions. Like, oh, the 92 Foundation from the Class 92? No, it's when he became a fan. $5.5 billion is what he's going to put forward, but his dad doesn't even have one point. He doesn't even have $2 billion. And his dad's the one who's got all the money. And with 15 children, he's not going to just spread it out to one individual or give it to one individual. He's going to spread it out between the 15. So I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm trying to find all the different things about this guy. I, I watched the video, and it was a very informative video. But I, it just something doesn't seem right with the bid. It doesn't seem right with the bid. Oh, it's Qatar, not Saudi Arabia. Not it's Saudi Arabia is Newcastle. Saudi Arabia is Newcastle United. So it's 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 an interesting one. It's an interesting one. And he's the rich one of the Gulf's one of the Gulf states' richest men has submitted an offer for Manchester United Football Club, and that is the son. Of the guy who has $1.3 billion. Net worth. He could have more. He could have more because that's just what he's registered. He could have more. Because I remember talking to one of my friends about this. When you look at like the Forbes richest people in the world list. That's pretty much just what money you've said you have. You can have more. There's probably people rich out there richer than Elon Musk. There's probably people richer than Elon Musk out there. But they're not putting it forward. They're not going to these magazines and going this is what my net worth is. So who knows? They might he might have more. He might have five point five billion dollars, and the four point six billion dollars that Jim Ratcliffe's offering is for a sixty nine percent LOL stake in Manchester United. It's not even a hundred percent. So it's just it, again, it's all just kind of odd. It's all odd. We'll we'll have to play it out. We'll have to see how this all takes place. But um, it's it's gonna get interesting. It's gonna get interesting because Manchester United needs new owners. They need new owners. And obviously, a lot of the fans are wanting to go for Sheikh Jassim. Because, again, 100% debt-free for a club that's a lot. It's deep in debt. To go from that to debt-free like that, perfect for everybody. 100%. Glazer's completely gone. Which is what everybody wants. Glazer's completely gone and debt gone. Those are the two main factors of Manchester United wanting a new owner. But could it be too good to be true? That's the question, and we're going to have to see how this all plays out 
as time progresses. But Manchester United are playing really good right now. Playing really good right now. And they got the Carabao Cup final coming up on Saturday against Newcastle. Nick Pope, who's been awesome for Newcastle United this season, is not going to play the game because he decided, he completely forgot where the box was against Liverpool. <laughs> it just dove on the ball. I mean, it was one of those things where uh, one of those things where it's like a calculated risk. Calculated risk. Where you know you're going to get sent off, but you're just preventing a goal or something like that. But then it ends up hurting you because the backup goalie, Martin Dubravka, played for Manchester United in the Carabao Cup. So he cannot play for Newcastle United in the Carabao Cup final. So they are now turning to their third string goalie. Stop me if you've heard this guy's name before. Loris Karius, most famous for the Champions League final against Real Madrid, where he just gave the ball to take two goals up to Real Madrid. One to Kareem Benzema, then one to Gareth Bale. Like, that's the guy that's going to play. And the thing is, like, that gut feeling that you have watching your team play, where it was like me watching the Bills this year in the playoffs against the Dolphins. Tua's out. They got a lot of injuries. But for some reason, you just feel like, oh, it's not going to go well. Like, Newcastle United, minus Nick Pope, who is extremely important to the team, do have a very solid defense. Their back four has been one of the best, most consistent back fours in the league. We talked about Manchester United's. Newcastle United's not far behind them. You got Kieran Trippier. You got Fabian Schaar. You got Sven Botman, and you got Dan Byrne. Like, this is a very, very solid back four. Loris Karius and that will make things a little bit more interesting. Very interesting. I haven't seen this dude play since that Champions League final. And he's been on loan to all different teams. I don't know if he's officially a Newcastle player or he's still technically a part of Liverpool's squad or if he's on loan at Newcastle. I don't know. It's just it's just odd. It's, it's going to be interesting, and I'm excited for it. Again, that game's on Saturday if you want to watch it. And going in... Off, coming off a win against Barcelona, fresh off a whole stretch of wins, or non-losses, I guess you could say, with Marcus Rashford playing as good as he has been. Like, it's 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 fun. It's fun. But yeah, the Carabao Cup Final, EFL Cup Final, English Football League Cup Final. It's exciting. It's exciting. Manchester United advance to the quarterfinals of the Europa League. They got a final coming up on Saturday. Yeah. Good times. Good times being Manchester United fans. Everything's looking up at this point in time. Everything's looking up. Nothing's looking down anymore. That was one of the problems where it was like, oh, you go to next year, is it going to be better or worse? Like in that part of you, it's like Manchester United's too good to be this bad. Like you have that feeling like, oh, they're going to be better at some point, but then it just never, never happened. <laughs> finish second and then finish seventh. It's just one of those things that just tends to happen for whatever reason. Now, with Manchester United being as good as they are, let's turn our attention to the MLS and talk about Sporting Kansas City, my MLS team. I was a part of Sporting Iowa, Sporting Kansas City's feeder club, one of their feeder clubs. So technically speaking, technically speaking, I only speak in, speak in technicalities. I wanted to be 100% accurate here. I would not lie to you guys. Because I played for JUSC slash Sporting Iowa, I am technically a Sporting Kansas City Academy product. Yeah. Yeah, a kid I played with back in the day, he has Sporting Kansas City in his youth career. That dude never played for Sporting Kansas City. Never played for Sporting Kansas City. Always, I always played with him. Well, he played a year up because he was really, really good. I'm not saying he couldn't have, but to my knowledge, he never actually played for Sporting Kansas City. He played for Sporting Iowa and JUSC, same team I did. So technically, I was a professional soccer player at one point. Technically, technically speaking... You know what? You can be what you can say whatever you want about it. You can say whatever you want to me. Oh, Logan, you don't know anything. Pfft, what do you know? I'm a professional soccer player. 
soon to be a professional basketball player after tonight. It's the last night of basketball, so we'll see how that all goes. But Sporting Kansas City expectations this year are are kind of up and down. I don't really know what to think of this team this year because last year they were just riddled with injuries. Before the season started, Alan Polito just had to miss a season because he had a knee injury. Gotti Kinda didn't play. Uh, Tim Melia, I almost said Kim Melia. Tim Melia had problems the last year as well with injury. So we were just injured all over the freaking place and ended up really being really bad last year. Like unwatchable bad. Like last year, got to pull up the standings again. Last year in the Western Conference, Sporting Kansas City finished 12th with a whopping 40 points and then had, where's their goal difference? Had a goal difference of minus 12. Scored 42 goals, which was the second least amount of goals in the Western Conference last year, just above Vancouver Whitecaps, who had scored 40. The Sporting Kansas City scored 42. It was just not a good year. They had two wins on the road last year. Like, they were just not, they were not good. Last year, they've made some signings this year. Alan Polito's going to be back. Gotti Kinda's going to be back. Like, expectations are going to be better than what they were last year. But I shouldn't go out there and say, like, oh, this team's an instant cup contender or this team's a guaranteed playoff contender now. They can't be much worse than what they were last year, which is my, <laughs> my big thing. Because you've got really good players in this team. you got Johnny Russell, Captain Johnny Russell, Alan Polito again, Gotti Kinda. Kiri Shelton has his moments, has his moments. But you got Daniel Shallowy there as well. We got John Polskamp, who's probably going to enter the season as a starter. Probably. Because he did play well in spurts last year. You could tell his youthfulness was in it at some points because he gave up some errors every now and again. But Tim Melia, slowly aging out. So we'll see how John Polskamp does. He got called to a couple of United States camps last year. So again, we'll see if he can keep on to that spot. He's a homegrown player. You always want to root for those guys. And you got William Agata, striker from, Net- from Nigeria, who played last year and played well in Alan Polito's absence, and I was watching a preview video yesterday or two days ago or whatever, and they were saying William Agata will be the starting number nine for Manchester, or for Manchester United, for Sporting Kansas City coming up this season with Alan Polito again coming off an injury. Especially with how he played last year, I wouldn't really be that surprised. He was one of the few bright spots <laughs> in Sporting Kansas City's team last year. One of the few. In 12 games last year, he scored eight goals. That's what you needed. They needed something like that. And I, you know, I want Alan Polito to do well. The big money price tag, I think he's the most expensive player in club history. Makes sense. Coming from Guadalajara. Chivas Guadalajara down in Mexico. Just got I, I just want to he needs to stay healthy. Because he's very important. He's very important. His link up play is very important. He plays pretty much as a false nine. He plays kind of that Kareem Benzema role at Real Madrid. Where he drops back a little bit, tries to get involved a little bit more in the team buildup, but can still strike the shit out of the ball. <laughs> absolutely strike the shit out of the ball. So again, he missed last year, but his first year in MLS, or first two years in the MLS, he scored 15 goals. So you're just hoping, or 14 in the league, I guess, 15 in all competitions. You're just hoping he comes back and doesn't have any rust from sitting out an entire season last year. With Sporting Kansas City, one of the most consistent teams in MLS history, Peter Vermees just got a contract extension. He's going to set up his team the exact same way every single time. They're going to run a 4-3-3. We're going to have a deep lighting holding midfielder. You got to... Nemanja Roja coming in this summer. So we'll see how he does. He'll he replace Roselle this year as the holding midfielder. Came in from Levante. You obviously let Ilya Sanchez go to LAFC. Just scored the winning penalty in LFC's MLS Cup run last year, which is awesome. But we'll see how Roja does in holding midfield this year. You have a midfield in front of him of Gadi Kinda and probably Felipe Hernandez, who had the whole um, 
what was it? Had the whole gambling scandal a couple years ago. Had to get he sat out a few games after that. Roger Spinoza will obviously rotate in there. Remy Walter will enter in there as well. And then you got a front line of probably if we go with Agata, you got Johnny Russell on the right, Agata in the middle, and then Daniel Shallowy in the left. And then you got subs like Kiri Sheldon can come in and put in a shift off the bench. He's an energy guy. He's he's just an energy guy. He's not gonna put up a lot of effort. He's not gonna score a lot of goals. He's not gonna believe. He's not really doesn't really do a whole lot. He's just effort. He'll run freaking everywhere. He's a big physical guy, so he can push people off the ball. So he'll come in as a sub or he'll start a few games. Shallowy coming off the bench being a way better scoring threat than him. And then the back line, you've obviously got Graham Zuzzi, arguably Sporting Kansas City's greatest ever player, playing at right back. Then you've got the likes of Andrew Andrew Fontas will obviously step in there. You got Robert Volder, who's coming in as well. He's played 12 games last year for Sporting Kansas City. And then you got Ben Sweat at left back. He's coming in this offseason, or coming in this, not coming in this offseason. Made the move last year. I make it sound like he just came in this offseason. He did not. He came in last year. Last year. But it's it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I, I love watching Sporting Kansas City play. I've been to a few games down there. I love going to Sporting Can. I love going to Sporting Park or whatever you want to call it now. Children's Mercy Park, sorry. I'm just still used to calling it Cho- Sporting Park, which is what it was originally called. Uh, no, <laughs> Livestrong Sporting Park. And then they had the whole um, Lance Armstrong thing with the whole cheating scandal. So Livestrong kind of got, sp- <laughs> got excommunicated everywhere. So then it was just Sporting Park and then Children's Mercy Park. And it's been that way for a while, but I just still think of it as Sporting Park. But again, expectations later playoff team like a uh i'm not gonna put like any like top tier like they should be one of the upper echelon teams of the western conference this year because again there's a lot of good teams in the western conference there's a lot of good teams spread out throughout the mls this year so there's a lot of you know where did i saw a preview thing on mlssoccer.com mls major league soccer soccer.com where are they at on the okay what category because they broke these off into categories Where's Sporting Kansas City at? High upside mystery box. You know what? That's fair. <laughs> That's absolutely fair. And their their starting eleven reads as Melia Leibold, Fontas Volder, Zuzi, Roja, Walter, Thom- Tommy, Shallowy, Agata, and Russell. So not too much, not too dissimilar to what than we than what we had. Eric Tommy coming over last year from Fortuna Dusseldorf for coming on loan. I guess from VS, VFB Stuttgart. Coming from there, going on loan to freaking ah, jeez, I'm all over the place right now. I'm all over the place. Sorry about this, but I'm excited. I am very excited. MLS opening day starts on Saturday, I believe. I think that's the first day of matches, which is always exciting. You love opening days of anything. Yeah, Saturday we got Nashville taking on New York City SC FC. We got Atlanta United taking on San Jose Earthquakes. We got Charlotte taking on New England. Cincinnati taking on Houston. DC taking on Toronto. Miami taking on Montreal. Orlando, New York, Red Bulls. We have Philadelphia taking on Columbus, Austin versus St. Louis in their first year, St. Louis City SC. Then we got Dallas taking on Minnesota, LA taking on LAFC and El Trafico. Then we got Portland taking on Sporting Kansas City, which is always a fun game. Then we got Vancouver taking on Real Salt Lake. And then on Sunday, we've got Seattle taking on the Colorado Avalanche. And all of these games, all of these games are exclusive, I guess I shouldn't say exclusively, but every single game will be on Apple TV. Every single MLS game will be on Apple TV. But they're like Seattle versus Colorado will be on FS1. You got New York for New York City FC and Nashville being on Fox. So like you got all these different games that are going to be available for you, but most of them if you just want get an Apple TV sponsorship and buy the MLS patch which I did, 
just the other day because I forgot about it. I completely forgot about it. Then I saw an ad on Twitter. I was like, you know what? Or no, it was on Instagram. Sporting Kansas City posted it. So I was all ready for it. But yeah, I'm not going to make any MLS predictions right now. We'll come more that later. I need to do a little bit more research about each team to make sure I've got a full-on set idea of what these team, what this team's going to look like going into the season. And yeah, I did a bad job watching Sporting Kansas City towards the latter parts of last season. It was so hard to watch. <laughs> it was so hard to watch last year. I tried my best to watch every game, or at least as games, every game that I could. But there was points at the end of the season where I was just kind of following on my phone. And I couldn't really watch anymore because I was like, you know what? This isn't very fun. It's not very fun to see your team be bad. I've seen Sporting play bad. I've seen them not be very good. I've seen them play without a striker. So, like, last year, it was just so bad. And Agata played well. Again, William Agata played well. I don't want to take anything away from him. He was one of the lone bright spots from last year's team. But they had, they're going to be better this year. They're going to be better this year. So, it's, it's fun. It's a very fun time. Now, speaking of being better this year, we're going to switch gears back to the NFL. We got our mock draft again come out on Wednesday, or on Monday. We talked about it on the Wednesday, then we're going to go over to over it a little bit again today. Not, not completely. Not completely. But when you have an NFL, when you have the NFL draft, and you're at a high pick in the draft, it is very rare that you find instant success. Very rare. The Jacksonville Jaguars, like we talked about during the during the season or during the postseason, Trayvon Walker's the first number one overall draft pick to play in the divisional round in like thirty years or forty years or something like that. So like, it's not something to go from terrible to good to next year talking about. Oh, this team could actually make some noise in the AFC. They got a few holes in their roster, but they could really make some noise. Like it's very, very, very rare that it happens. But there are some teams in the top 10, like you've got the Detroit Lions, who were a potential playoff team this year, were one game shy of the playoffs, knocked the Packers out of the playoffs. you got the Eagles picking at 10, who would own the New Orleans Saints pick. you got the Seahawks picking where the freaking Broncos would be picking. they got a top five pick. Lions got the sixth pick. Eagles got the 10th pick. But for the teams like the Bears, teams like the Texans, teams like the Cardinals, you're probably not going to be very good this year. Your goal is, though, to build on this year's draft to try and get better in time. It's very rare that that happens right away. You have to ace the draft. Absolutely ace the draft. Or you have to ace your offseason acquisitions. And there's teams in the top 10 that could be better, like the Panthers will probably be better this year. We talked about it on a Wednesday, that the Carolina Panthers could very well win this division this year. Could very well win this division this year. Because you look at the state of the rest of the division, you got the Bucks in the quarterback carousel. We don't know who's going to be theirs. I'd like to see Kyle Trask play. I really liked him coming out of Florida, and him and Pitts and Kadarius Tony at Florida were awesome to watch. And then you've got the Saints, who, again, are always $100 million in debt. They're not really. They're about 50-something. But either way, it's insane that that team still is allowed to run. And then you got the Falcons, who who the hell knows with that team. Don't really have an off the line. Don't really have a pass rush. But you've got Kyle Pitts, and you got Drake London. We'll see if they actually utilize Kyle Pitts to his full potential this year. And then we'll be talking about something different. Tyler Allgaier had a very good season last year as a rookie from BYU. Had over 1,000 yards rushing. Got a 39-year-old <laughs> Cordero Patterson at running back. I don't, he's not 39. He's not 39. We'll see what happens with Marcus Mariota, which they <laughs> – I saw on Twitter that there's a Netflix documentary or docu-series type thing talking about how they're going to have a docu called Quarterback, and it's going to be following Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and Marcus Mariota. If the reports of Marcus Mariota quitting the Atlanta Falcons this season are true, which they look true, 
I don't really know if he's going to want that out there. I don't know if he's going to play for the Falcons again. So if that goes out there and he looks like a dickhead quitting on his team, then no one's really going to want to sign him. So it's a very interesting time. I saw that and Marcus Mariota was on that list. I was like, ooh, that could be kind of interesting. I'm intrigued about this. Let's see how this dumpster fire works out. <laughs> I am excited, though, to see if Desmond Ritter keeps the job for this year. They might go out and draft somebody. They might go out and trade for, like, Lamar Jackson or something. Because, again, that's what a lot of a lot of people are just connecting the dots there. He'd fit the offense very, very well. I, I think it'd be really fun to see Lamar Jackson play in, uh, in Arthur Smith's system. Especially with him. You got Tyler Allgaier. You got a big-bodied wide receiver in Drake London, who's a former basketball player. You got Kyle Pitts, who would have to give up the number, give up the number eight jersey. Because I'm sorry, if you're getting Lamar Jackson, you're not keeping the number eight jersey. You're not keeping the number eight jersey. But the Panthers, again, they could be that team that sneaks up on people and wins the division. Now, they could win the division with six wins, seven wins, eight wins, but hey, that's still a division crown. And I always find that topic interesting. Like, if you were an eight-win team or a seven-win team, would you want to win the division? Because I'm sitting here basically saying no. Like, I'm a Carolina Panthers fan. I was not wanting to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the latter parts of the season to make the playoffs. Because you go from the ninth overall pick to the 19th overall pick like that. That's not what you want. That's not what you want. If you're a team like that, you're going to want to have as many top draft picks as possible. And I'm sure the Bucs and their fans might be wishing, man, I really wish we let (laughs) the Carolina Panthers make the playoffs last year. Because then we'd have the ninth overall pick or somewhere around the ninth overall pick. Tenth overall pick, maybe. But it's fun. It's really, really fun. But I saw this today. Or not today. I saw it yesterday. And it was another mock draft that popped up. Talking about uh, trading and quarterbacks. Trading and quarterbacks. Because when you're one of these teams, like the Panthers or the Colts, and you feel like, oh, we're a quarterback away. We're a young quarterback away. We got all these talented pieces. We're just a quarterback away. Like one of the oldest sayings in football. I don't know who made this mock draft, but I saw it on Twitter. It was on three, posted, CBS Sports projected Anthony Richardson to go first overall in the draft. And the Indianapolis Colts, again, are one of those teams that could use a quarterback. They were bad last year. They were very, very bad. They had a lot of really bad play calls and bringing in someone like Shane Steichen, who was an assistant coach of the year candidate, who just had an offense go to the Super Bowl, He's going to want some offense. They're going to get a quarterback. We've already talked about Jim Irsay wanting Bryce Young. This mock draft has him taking Anthony Richardson. This mock draft has him taking Anthony Richardson. I've talked about this before. And it's starting to catch wind on social media. I've said this since the fall. Since the freaking fall. Since the first game, essentially. That this dude, Anthony Richardson, there is not a doubt in my mind that this dude cannot go first overall. There is not a singular doubt in my mind that this dude cannot go first. So this mock draft did not surprise me in one bit. I looked at this mock draft. I was like, you know what? Fair. And there's people on Twitter that are going, oh, well, this way, Anthony Richardson hypes way over. This Anthony Richardson stuff's way overhyped. He's going to be a bust. He's going to be an extra Marcus Russell. He's going to be this. He's going to be that. This dude can play. This dude can just flat out play. And I hope, I hope that he goes somewhere where they can actually realize his potential because this dude is a baller. This dude is an absolute baller. And then you look at the other quarterbacks in the top 10. Bryce Young going second to Houston. I think Houston wants Bryce Young. I think Houston wants Bryce Young. So, again, it would not be surprising to me if they traded up one spot with Chicago to get the first overall pick and take Bryce Young. 
It wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. And that might affect the draft because the Colts might not feel they need to trade up to two because the Cardinals probably won't trade back and the Bears probably won't trade back. The Bears won't trade back past four. Maybe the maybe the Cardinals trade back to four with the with the Colts. Maybe that happens. We see Houston at one, Chicago two, Indianapolis three, and Arizona four. Maybe that happens. But when you have an you have an ability to draft either Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, you're probably going to take it. And we talk about Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft having Tyree Wilson go there. And again, that wouldn't surprise me in the slightest because of his length, size, and ability to play on the D-line, which is what the Cardinals really need. And he can also play as a stand-up outside linebacker as well, just give him whatever you need. He's a lot bigger than what Will Anderson is. So the fit there makes sense. But if the Texans want Bryce Young, they're going to have to trade up. Because if Jim Irsay wants Bryce Young, then we're having a completely different discussion about this, which is why we had him going first overall to Indianapolis. Because if Jim Irsay wants a guy, he's probably going to trade heaven and earth to get him because he's tired of sitting in that quarterback purgatory and just wants to move up for his guy. Wants nothing else more than to move up to number one to take Bryce Young, give a shitload of picks to the Chicago Bears to get Bryce Young. Now, Shane Steichen's coming from Philly. This is where this gets a little interesting. Shane Steichen had Jalen Hurts there. Jalen Hurts, bigger quarterback. Not necessarily the tallest guy in the world, but thicker quarterback could take hits, would run the ball. Anthony Richardson fits what Shane Steichen would want to do a little bit more than what Bryce Young does. And Bryce Young is a better quarterback right now than Anthony Richardson. There's no doubt about that. Like Bryce Young is the best quarterback in this draft class. I think his ability, again, we talked about this on Wednesday, his ability to throw on the run, his ability to make moves, his ability to smartly decide when and when not to take hits, take hits in the pocket, slide when he needs to, he did have the shoulder injury against Arkansas this year, but came back fine, threw the ball 700 times against Tennessee two weeks later. Like, Bryce Young may not be the biggest, but he's the most pocket-aware quarterback in this class and looks the best when things break down around him. Again, we've talked about this a thousand times. He is, he was Alabama's offense last year. Jameer Gibbs is a baller. I don't want to take anything away from Jameer Gibbs, but Bryce Young, if he wasn't in this offense, they did not work. They did not click by any stretch of the imagination. Whether you're the most diehard Alabama fan of all time or not, they did not work without Bryce Young. They would not have worked without Bryce Young. So the fact that people are talking about his size, I think is valid. I do think is valid because he'd be the smallest quarterback ever taken in the first round. Ever. Like we see quarterbacks similar-ish size. They don't get picked within the first 100 picks. But Bryce Young is just that talented they're actually sitting there questioning it. Like, do we risk taking the smaller quarterback in this case? And that's why the Eagles taking, or the, the Colts, sorry, taking Anthony Richardson is very, very interesting. Because when you compare Richardson and Young, which is something that not a lot of people did last year, because they're two completely style, different styles of quarterbacks, Anthony Richardson's a bruising quarterback. Anthony Richardson is not afraid to run people over. And to sometimes what could be his detriment, he is not afraid of contact. He is not afraid of contact. But Anthony Richardson has the livest arm in this draft. I know a lot of people are freaking out over Will Levis's arm. I'm so happy people on Twitter are starting to post Anthony Richardson highlights. And I've talked about this throw since it happened. Anthony Richardson's throw against Western... Geez, I do this all the freaking time. Eastern Washington is one of the most effortless throws. The first play of the game for Florida. The first two plays of the game against Eastern Washington sum up what Anthony Richardson is. The first two plays in that game. Like, there are times Anthony Richardson looked a little lost, or not lost, not, that's not the right word, but looked a little erratic at times, tried to force the ball a little too much. But when he's on and clicking it, 
if you have a guy like Shane Steichen, who you believe can help develop a quarterback like Anthony Richardson, then by all means go up and take him. Because I think when this dude goes to the combine and absolutely tears it up, I'm very confident saying he would tear up the combine. Like we look at Josh Allen's combine in 2018. Josh Allen launched the football, made everybody go, wow. Anthony Richardson will do the exact same thing. Will Levis will probably do similar stuff there, but if Anthony Richardson runs the 40 and runs a 4-3 and then bombs it 80 yards down the field, the conversation of Anthony Richardson going number one is not going to seem as ludicrous as it does probably to a lot of people right now. His ability to run, his ability to throw on the run when it's when it's on, when it's on, because he can throw on the run, but then he sometimes sails on him. So he's got such a strong arm that sometimes just the wind will catch it. It will up. <laughs> But Richardson and Levis, they will tear up. The, they will have good combines, and the conversation between those two. So I think Bryce Young's spot in the draft is locked up. I think he's probably the vast people's number one quarterback in the draft. But when Stroud comes up, I would not be surprised. I'm not going to sit here and say like Cedar Stroud's a bad quarterback. I do not want that to sound like this. I would not be surprised by any means if Richardson and Levis pass Stroud on a lot of people's boards after the Combine, especially Richardson. Because to some people, Levis is already past Stroud. To a lot of people. Uh, is a lot of people the right word? Not on Twitter. Not on Twitter. Definitely not on Twitter. Like That's the place where everybody hates Will Levis. Everybody hates everything about every quarterback. We saw a guy on Twitter talking about Bryce Young only worked under Bill O'Brien. Like Bill O'Brien made Bryce Young good. Like, like this dude wasn't a baller in high school. But I don't know. Like, in this mock draft, it has Anthony Richardson going one, Bryce Young two, Will Levis going to Carolina at five, and then C.J. Stroud going to Baltimore at eight. Because they have Lamar Jackson getting traded to Atlanta. They have uh, Aaron Rodgers getting traded uh, to Las Vegas. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But, yeah, it's it's going to get interesting. The, the NFL Combine starts on March 2nd, which is next week, next Friday. Or next Thursday, sorry. So, we're, we're got, it's going to be fun. So that's just when people start arriving. I don't know if that's when the actual testing time starts. I guess I haven't seen the schedule when the testing starts. Hold on. I know Dane Brugler, Brugler tweeted out something today about the combine schedule. Got to find it. Okay. So, oh, no, 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 no. Okay. Measurements on-field workout for DN, D-line and linebacker starts in the second. Quarterbacks, that one starts on um, on-field workouts for quarterbacks, running wide receivers and tight ends starts on Saturday. We got on-field workouts for DBs and special teamers on Friday. And then Sunday, we've got on-field workouts for running backs and offensive linemen. So that's your combine schedule right now. So may take that accordingly. And it all starts at, so I don't know if this is Eastern time or not, but Thursday, D-line linebackers, 3 p.m. Friday, DB special teamers, 3 p.m. Saturday, QBs, wide receivers, tight ends at 1 p.m. And then Sunday, running backs and offensive linemen at 1 p.m. That's next week. Next week, a week from today. When the combine starts. A week for today from me. A week from yesterday for you guys listening to the show. Now, we brought up Aaron Rodgers, and this is what is a very... This whole Aaron Rodgers situation is very... I don't know. Very weird. And it's always been weird. Aaron Rodgers is a weird person. So the fact that there's weird circumstances around Aaron Rodgers does not surprise me in the freaking slightest. Rodgers is a weird guy. Openly weird guy. Rodgers, though, is one of the most talented quarterbacks in NFL history. 
He's the greatest quarterback in Green Bay Packers history, arguably. There's a lot of things this guy can do on the football field, but control narratives off the field is definitely not one of them. <laughs> this dude cannot control any narrative. He can go on Pat McAfee, talk about all the shit he wants to, and the national media is going to take it and run with it. So the entire offseason, or at least, okay, let's go with at least the past two weeks. Past two weeks, Aaron Rodgers has definitely leaving Green Bay. There was an article that said Packers and Rodgers' divorce looks imminent. And then yesterday, NFL reporter says Packers open to keeping Aaron Rodgers. I took a screenshot. I searched Aaron Rodgers on Google. The first two articles that popped up were those two. They were right next to each other. So what this says is nobody knows what's this, what's going on here. The Green Bay Packers would like to have four-time MVP Aaron Rodgers back, Tom Pelissero said on Rich Eisen's show. As long as Rodgers is fully brought in, bought in. We were talking about this trade looking done. Rodgers is gone. Rodgers going to Vegas. Rodgers going to the Jets. Rodgers going somewhere else. Rodgers retiring. He's in his freaking dark room getting stoned off his ass. <laughs> to try and find himself as a new person. And he's going to open up things like this. So I don't know what... I've not tried <laughs> to really give... 100% opinion on what Rodgers is doing. But I, every, I remember a couple weeks ago, it was like, oh, yeah, Rodgers staying. He's going to throw his hissy fit. He's going to end up staying. And then a week later, oh, Rodgers is going to leave. We think he's going to go to the Jets or the Raiders. Devontae Adams with the Raiders makes sense. Nathaniel Hackett being with the Jets, the only reason they hired him was to get Rodgers. And Zach Wilson, he's worked with Zach Wilson in the past. And they seem to like each other. And now it looks like, oh, now he's staying. Now he's staying. Because when Jared was on a couple weeks ago, we're like, oh, yeah, he's gone. He's gone. It looks like he's gone. Well, my initial thought process was he's staying. Then the next process was always leaving. And then now we're sitting back, always staying again. So now we got a couple weeks, and then we got it. He's leaving again. That's imminent. Like, the fact that it literally says back-to-back posts. And on this graphic for clutch points, it says boo. <laughs> what happens if I search Aaron Rodgers right now? What happens if I search Aaron Rodgers right now? Let's see. Rodgers ends darkness retreat early as the decision on his future looms. What darkness retreat? What is a darkness retreat? Okay, we already knew that one. I gotta find. I got leading Rodgers leading the prayer leading the Raiders is not the plan. Because I've always said if he goes anywhere, I think it'll be the Jets. I think the Jets will try their damnedest to get Aaron Rodgers because that means they could they could keep Zach Wilson, which I think is what they really want. But if Rodgers stays then that opens the door for where the hell Jordan Love goes. What's what's he doing? Is Jordan Love staying or leaving? Because I wouldn't imagine Jordan Love would be loving to sit another year on the bench in Green Bay. This dude needs to play. He, he, he By all means, he should want to play. And they drafted. They not only drafted, they traded up to get him. They're going to want to see some return on their investment here in a little bit. So Rodgers going out the door, it might be time. But that doesn't mean that's what's going to happen because I do not do not know what this is. I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know what's going on here. No one does. And I'm sure Aaron Rodgers is loving it. I'm sure he's absolutely loving it. I don't think it really affects him at all. I think he just absolutely loves it. He doesn't like the national media. He never has. Never will. He's always going to be seen as a weird guy, and he is, and he accepts that. He's taking ayahuasca, he's getting stoned, he's taking mushrooms, he's doing all these different things. Like He's not afraid to let everybody know who Aaron Rodgers is. 
It doesn't matter where he goes. But if he stays, Jordan Love goes somewhere else, probably. Then Carr goes to the Jets, probably. And then Garoppolo goes to the Raiders, probably. Does Love go to the Saints, which is the team I thought he would go to originally in the draft back in 2020? Does he end up going down there? Because the Saints are going to, they're linked with Carr. They're linked with Garoppolo. They're linked with every, they're linked with all the quarterbacks, same quarterbacks the Jets are. So if Love, if Rodgers comes back, Love has to leave. Love has to leave. For the betterment of his career, he needs to leave. For hoping that people are still holding on to the fact, hey, this dude is really talented at Utah State. We should probably take him in. We should probably take him in. Or they could be like the <laughs> they be like the Cowboys are intrigued by CJ Stroud. The Saints can be intrigued <laughs> by Aaron Rodgers. I mean they could do anything about it. Because they're a thousand million dollars in debt. <laughs> or under the cap. Over the cap, I guess. Uh, it's fun. NFL offseason is always fun. So we got soccer going on right now. We got soccer coming out this weekend for Sporting Kansas City taking on Portland. We got the Carabao Cup, EFL Cup final between Manchester United and Newcastle United. Then we got the XFL taking place. Well, we got an XFL game tonight. We got the St. Louis Battlehawks taking on the CLC Dragons. That's at 8 o'clock tonight on ESPN Plus and FX. Then we got DC Defenders taking on the Vegas Vipers on Saturday at 7 or at 6, sorry, 7 Eastern. Then Sunday, we've got the San Antonio Brahmas taking on the Orlando Guardians at 3. And then the Arlington Roughnecks, Dallas Roughnecks still flows better. Arlington Roughnecks taking on the Houston Roughnecks. Jeez. Arlington Renegades taking on the Houston Roughnecks. Rivalry. Rivalry brewing there. Big time rivalry. Roughnecks versus the Renegades. I, I'll try to, you know what? I'll I'll try my hardest to like sit down and watch a full game. Because I didn't, I did not try by any stretch of the imagination. I sat down and watched the last drives of the St. Louis Battlehawks for San, San Antonio Brahma's game. AJ McCarron and Austin Prohl balled out. Hakeem Butler scored a touchdown in there as well. So I like, I'll try harder. I'm not going to be able to watch tonight because as I said, I'm playing basketball tonight. So I'm not going to be able to sit down and watch the, the Battle Hawks take on the Dragons. But I could probably watch the end of it. Since at 8, basketball would probably get done around 9. So, you know, it, it will happen. We'll see. We'll see what we can do with that one. But DC Defenders being my XFL team, we'll see if they start Tayamu or if they start Derek King. I like both of them. I like both of them in college. I like Derek King a lot when he was at Houston and Miami. He's a fun quarterback. Vipers have Luis the Dude Perez as their quarterback. We'll see if he continues to start this week. We'll see if the Brahmas actually have the balls to start the greatest high school quarterback of all time in Reed Sinnott. We got the Guardians, Paxton Lynch getting benched in the CFL, NFL, XFL, and AAF. The the <laughs> balling out. I don't remember who the other quarterbacks are, but then you got the Arlington Renegades and the Houston Roughnecks. Roughnecks were the best team in the XFL last time. They're the best team in the XFL currently right now as well so we'll see how all that goes and now i'm, I'm gonna end the show here i'm gonna end the show here this is kind of all over the place today i didn't really know what i wanted to talk about today but uh i hope you enjoyed i don't know if i did but you know what i hope you did so you can leave a one-star rating after the show if you really want to but with that being said that's all i've got for you today again make sure you follow the logan blackman show on every single form of social media make sure you go to the logan and check out the latest mock draft i would greatly appreciate that if you did and check out all the games that are going on this week. EFL Cup Final, MLS starts up this week, XFL Week 2. Fun stuff. Fun stuff ahead. And I will see you all later. Peace.